It is Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two underway on ESPN Radio, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to check in, Seth, thank you for holding down the fort in hour number one. Anything happened that I should know about? I don't, I don't think so. Do you? Well, we ripped off a segment from Brent, so we're just hoping that he doesn't find out. Um, How did it go? Are we going to bring it back? Yeah, why not? I think we might. All right. Uh, do you have any, like pent-up takes that you need to get out that you haven't been able to over the last two days because you didn't like are we just going to go rapid fire for the next 15 minutes before kevin todd do you have your picks ready for kevin todd well as you know (laughs) my strategy is to do the picks during commercials i just arrived so i'm frantically trying to come up with my picks so no hot takes to start the hour i'm still trying to figure out who i'm going to pick and i i had a miserable week you're terrible i had a miserable week last week i had all that momentum built up Four straight weeks. It was four or five of at least a winning record, or, or at least a, an even record, I should say. Uh, winning record, I think, four of the last five weeks. And then I went 1-1-1, one, one, and, one, and last week was a disaster. So Kevin Todd has pulled ahead. Uh, the most stressful segment I do every week is on the way in about 10 minutes from now, and I, I still need to to figure out who I'm picking. You know what compounds your bad week? That Kevin had a really good Did week. Did he go 3-0? Oh? He went 2-1. and one. Okay. All right. Still within striking distance. So I'm two back in the wins column, correct? I'll have to do the math. I think he had me by... I think he had you by what? Like he was like a half game up yeah. or something going into yeah, yeah. that. All right, I'm still in striking. As long as I can stay like within a week, you know, so that it, it's not multiple weeks that I fall behind, I feel pretty good. Right, because you're uh, running out of time. Am I? Are we doing this through the NFL season? Is that That's what it is? That's a good question. I don't we, know. We, we, we better clarify we should, today. We should ask, because you, you're either running out of time or really running out of time. Not that it would change my, I mean, what am I going to do, try harder? I don't, there's no sense of urgency when it comes to this. I, you know, kind of throw a dart at a at a dartboard and see what happens. But uh, no, we'll get to uh, Kevin Todd in the next segment. I do want to start with SU football, and, and we know that the, the injury report came out last night, Seth, and, and Eric Dungy, surprise, surprise, uh, listed as questionable once again. I was a little surprised to see Dante Strickland on the injury report as well, listed as questionable. And this is not great news for a team, and we know the situation by now, absolutely needs a win in order to keep its its postseason hopes alive, in order to have a shot at bowl eligibility. And and you look at all these, these circumstances that have come together, right? Louisville has seemed to have righted the ship at 6-4. and four. Chance for Louisville to finish 8-4. and four. Lamar Jackson is playing at just about the same level he played at last year, he if not be better. better. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers that he's put up, and just because they're not winning, he hasn't really been in the Heisman conversation. The kid is good. I mean, he's special. And so you're getting the same quarterback that lit you up last year for 610 total yards of offense. Now, in SU's defense, that was the first real game in the Dino Babers era. Sure. First real game. You know, coming off the FCS opponent, first FBS opponent uh, last year inside the dome with the new Tampa two system, and so on and so forth. Zaire Franklin had a had a quote from earlier in the week when we spoke with him on Tuesday night at the media availability. He said, uh, "We weren't all playing the same defense that night," and and I think that that I mean, right? it didn't look like they were all playing the same defense last week either. Well, 
that that's up for debate. But but yeah, I mean, last year um, that that makes a lot of sense. That you know, before, yeah. in a blink of an eye, Louisville had scored twenty eight points. Um, but with that, that being said, on five plays, right? They had like five offensive plays, and four of them were touchdowns. I was gonna, yeah, it was something I crazy it was seven. Like that. I think yeah. it was like yeah, I think the first seven plays, it was it was twenty eight nothing before you yeah. before you even turned around. So. Um, there's that. I mean, you're going up against Lamar Jackson. You're on the road. You haven't won a road game in more than a calendar year. Your quarterback is questionable, and when he was questionable last week, he did not play. Uh, you know, and you're coming off a game in which you you gave up 64 points to to John Wolford and, and Wake Forest, and now you're facing another dual threat quarterback who's even better. It's a tough situation. This is a tall, Very. tall order for the Orange tomorrow. And you know when we went into these these last four games when you and I were talking, you know we said, well, well, what's the the record going to be? And we said, well, we could we could see anything from four and zero to zero and four. And we didn't think zero and four was really all that much of a possibility. It, it has all now. of a sudden become a possibility. And listen, they're a two touchdown underdog for a reason. I I don't see how they go on the road and win this game tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but all signs point to. This is the end of the line uh, for for the Orange this season. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts as well. And, and Steve, I, I know you are uh, busy with the, the the Coach Bayheim event that we do uh, here at the station. But I opened the show saying I think this game comes down to one person and one person only, and that is Lamar Jackson. And if the defense can semi contain him, you've got a shot. And if the defense can't, you've got no shot. Whether Eric Dungy is playing quarterback or Zach Mahoney. Or me, or Joe Montana, or Tom, like it, it doesn't matter, right? Like you could put anybody out there. If Lamar Jackson is not contained, and if Lamar Jackson continually gets around the edge of the defense, like John Wolford did last week, you've got no shot. You, you're not going to beat this team. And I think that that's the biggest key for this team. The defense has to step up. The defense has to play better. And if they don't, and he's throwing for 300 yards, and he's running for 150 or 160 as he has been. In recent weeks, you are in some serious trouble. Now, I will say this. What was the biggest issue last week with the Syracuse defense as it pertained to John Wolford? Read option? Correct. And the tight end? And it was the, it was the containment on the outside, yeah. more specifically. Now, again, going back to what Zaire said on Tuesday night, he said, we knew that John Wolford could run it. We didn't think he'd run it as much as he did. And and they admitted, Zaire, defensive players admitted they, there was over-pursuit involved, and he was able to get around the edge. There was one in particular that comes to mind for me where Paris Bennett, he just he just flat out lost contain, and yeah. John Wolford got around him and, and ran for a touchdown. So with that being said, you they were surprised with how much John Wolford ran the ball last week. They're not going to be surprised with how much Lamar Jackson runs. So... I guess my point is they, they might have a better shot at containment, as strange as that may sound, because you're going up against a better quarterback and a more athletic quarterback, but but they... Because you expect it. Right, and they're going to be more disciplined, I guess, or you would expect them to be more disciplined on the outside and keeping contained because they know what ha- can happen if they don't. They just live through it with John Wolford, and they lived through it last year with Lamar Jackson, and he, he lit him up. Right, and I guess in a way it makes sense if you're more... They're not going to be you're caught by surprise, right. I guess. You're not going to be it sounds right. like they were. Exactly. If you're expecting this more, you might be better prepared. But at the same time, like if you've watched John Wolford this year, like you know he's capable of running. You know, you know he's capable of doing that. Uh, so I would have thought that you would have been, you know, ready for him to take off and run. Um, which I, I guess again is something that played into the surprise and shock of last week. 
Um, you know, again, if the defense can relatively contain him, if the defense can hold him to 250 through the air and 100 on the ground, uh, you might be able to win. If not, you're you're going to struggle. And you know that that that's really what it comes down to for me. Um, look, offensively, if Zach Mahoney's playing, if Eric Dungy's playing, uh, you know Zach Mahoney has shown that he can get some points at times. He's also shown that at times he's not good, uh, not good enough. Um, and, and the two times that they've put points on the board, they're de- they've been weird, wacky games where the defense hasn't stood its ground either. Um, you know, and, and the and again, the only time that he has won a game that Syracuse has won a game that Zach Mahoney has played in, it was uh, you know that that win over. Boston College, where their Boston College quarterback completed one pass. Uh, so it's hard, you know, to say with confidence that Syracuse will win a game that he starts. But at the same time, the defense has to be better, or they and they win that game last week. The defense is better against Pitt, and they win that game last year. You know, I I think ultimately this game comes down to the defense and how they play against Lamar Jackson, and the offense. You know, will kind of sort of do its thing. It's such a strange stat that the last two games he started, they've scored 104 points combined and they've lost. Right. It's like the, It makes no sense. It's like the starting pitcher in baseball that he gets no run support. Sonny you know, Gray. He, he pitches great. He, great Sonny example. Gray. Great example. Comes to the and, Yankees, gets, pitches really well, gets no run support. And, and you can't and explain it because, because, especially in baseball, like it has... Has nothing to do like what Sonny Gray is doing has nothing to do with what the batters are doing, but right. it's just it's a it's a strange coincidence, isn't it? And there's always that pitcher like like maybe it's just hey Zach Mahoney's playing and our defense falls apart like there's always that pitcher on a baseball pitching staff who gets a lot of run support. In this case, the defense pitches a shutout, and there's always that one guy who gets none. Like that guy who got a lot of run support two years ago was Rick Porcello, and he wrote it to 22 wins and a Cy Young. Like, but he just got a lot of run support, so he kept winning games. You know, and and the opposite is Sonny Gray, where he gets no run support and he never wins. And and you're like, well, that was a disappointing trade. Like Zach Mahoney's in that position right now where he doesn't play well. The defense is all right. Right, the, 104 the points. No, 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 no. no I'm I saying, know the BC in, in the other games. Yes. In the other games, like in the other games that he has played, like they've been relatively close games, but he hasn't been particularly good. And then the ones where he is really good, the defense is terrible. Like, it's strange. He's managed to be both those pitchers. It's so strange. It makes no sense. It is. One last point about the the read option from a week ago, and you said that if you if you've watched Wake Forest at all, you know he can run. He ran 19 times on Saturday, and and with the the zone read option, so much of it is it's a guessing game, right? For the defense, who's got the ball, who's going to get the ball? They guessed wrong last week, time and time again. And and I guess my point with Lamar Jackson is they're not going to guess wrong I, all that often. I would assume tomorrow. Now, whether or not they could stop it is something different. But you know that he's going to run the ball, and he's going to run the ball a lot, uh, especially given what he did last year. So I think they'll be ready for it. I don't know if they'll be able to stop it. Um, but for what it's worth, they were caught by surprise how much John Wolford ran it last week. Again, ran it 19 times for 139 yards. They're not going to be surprised tomorrow. Lamar Jackson is such a big part of that offense in just putting up ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. numbers. Video game numbers. First player ever to put up, what, 1,100 yards rushing and over 3,000 yards passing in back-to-back seasons. 1,000 yards rushing. And three thousand passing. Like right. I think he's simpler. over. Is he yeah. over eleven hundred now? Yeah. He has more than I, I. This is the stat that amazes me. He has more rushing yards than everybody else on the team combined. Yeah, it's incredible. Tall order. I, I tall order. Like I said, hope I'm wrong. Hope I, hope Syracuse has a shot at a bowl game next week. Uh, but this is uh, 
This is going to be a tough one. Uh, we'll talk more about it as the show moves along. A most stressful segment of my week. Kevin Todd joins us next. Keep it here. Serve Pro, AmeriQ Credit Union, and William Matar are proud supporters of Syracuse football coverage on ESPN Syracuse. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Orange Nation, noon to 2, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. I was waiting for the open to play, but it didn't play. It's, it's time for Our today's business. The day's there you go. Stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Well, if Max had uh, had, had to run out of the studio last minute, maybe I would have... Uh... Excuses, excuses. You're both benched. He's just <laughs> blaming... Okay, I see how this goes. It's I... brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. It's today's business, and apparently we're bringing back our producer, Max. Apparently he was in the, the was. first hour. Apparently he was in my seat. I was. You how took did it feel? It was weird. Yeah, it was really. I felt really exposed and like open. Like I, I've never been able to see that side of the room before. You'll, you'll like because this. like I'm just over here hiding behind the monitors. He came in yesterday to do the update. He sat down in your seat at noon, and I put the wrong mic up. Put on four because he's always at that side. Here's a tip for you, Max. Uh, whether I'm here or not, uh, stay in your stay lane. in your seat. It feels good to be a mic two once in a while. All right, and not just a mic four. First of all, though, I have a little bit of a bone. How are to you pick. a mic four? There's only three of us in the room. Mic three doesn't work. But you, uh, whatever. Yeah, I know. I know Go what on. I'm doing over here. All right. I have a bit of a bone to pick with Kevin Durant. I don't know if you guys will agree with me or not, but his comments over the last couple of days have really just gotten under my skin saying LeBron passed him the torch and that there's no loyalty left in the NBA because his number was given away. What torch is he talking about? He joined the best team in the league, won a title that he would have been absolutely ripped for if he hadn't. You're still second best to LeBron. Winning one title doesn't make you better than LeBron. If anything, you stoop to his level by joining a super team and deserting OKC, and then you have the audacity to say that there's no loyalty left because OKC gave away number 35 to a rookie. What, honestly, do you expect? You set them back five years when you left. They were lucky to sign George and Mello, and now you're saying the organization that gave you everything isn't loyal because you ditched them to practically be given titles every year with the level of the talent that's on the Warriors. Oh, and you also still use burner Twitter accounts to defend your insecurities. Kevin Durant has gone from one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA to me not being able to stand to even think about him. He's got a thin skin. There's no doubt about it. Everything yeah. seems to bother him. He takes everything personally. Everything. Uh, Saying there's no said, loyalty Max, left. I mean, what do you expect? You you leave the team high and dry. And again, we can debate whether or not you know he quote unquote should have gone. My feeling is it's it's his prerogative. It's his career. If he wants to win a championship, right. he did the right thing. I mean, he went to the he went to the team that he could easily win a championship, and he got it done to his credit. Um, but everything a, everything bothers him. It was a cop out. I find it very interesting that, like, like why does he feel the need to make any of these comments? Like, like, what like that's you... what I always go back to because when I see... Because thin skin, no, that's I, what it goes no, back to. Uh, absolutely, but I, I always go back to that when I, when I, like, when I read this or, or, you know, when you see other people just for no reason, like, even LeBron does it to an extent. It's like, what, what's the point of doing this? Like, do you really think LeBron handed you the torch because he's still the best player in the league? Like, 
Do you really think it was a big F you to Paul Pierce to to make a game-winning shot? Because that's dumb. Like, are you really that upset that they gave away your number? Because you're going to go back in 20 years and it's probably going to get retired. Like, I, I, I just, I keep going back to the, what's the point of making these comments? What's the point of actually saying this? Right? Like, that's what I can't understand. What Like, you can feel that. And I wouldn't necessarily like if you if you just sat there and you were like, yeah, I am the best player in the NBA. Like, good for you. Like, that's some confidence. And like, hey, that finals passed the torch to me, and I'm I'm better now for it. Like, whatever. Fine, whatever. What? But torch? why do you need You're to still say? Second but best. why do you need to say it? Like that. That's what I don't get. And it's part of what makes the NBA so hilariously awesome. Is that like. This kind of dumb, stupid drama happens in the NBA. Like, I'm not hearing about this in football, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not hearing Matt Ryan talking about how great the Super Bowl. Well, well he lost, but he he probably wouldn't have come out and said, "Well, Tom Brady passed me the torch because I beat him," right? Like, that's that that wouldn't happen in the NFL, but it happens in this dumb sport, and I love it. Superstars get a lot of criticism. Some can take more criticism than others, and Kevin Durant has a low threshold for criticism. And you say that LeBron has done in the past, and he has. I give LeBron a lot of credit, though, because more often than not, he either keeps his mouth shut or he says the right thing. Every once in a while, I think something gets under his skin. But LeBron has been, correct me if I'm wrong, he's been the most You're criticized right. NBA Absolutely. player over the course of the last 15 years. Right? Maybe ever. Every, maybe you ever. Can probably right. maybe go for ever. the Twitter age yeah. and all that. So maybe ever. The most criticized NBA player ever. And I think for the most part he's handled it very well. Now, here and there, he you know, he, he has a bad day. We all have bad days at the office and, and he might say something in a post game interview that he regrets later. But Kevin Durant seems to do it on a regular basis. And he seems like a good guy and he got his championship. And I, I can't crush him for going somewhere that he wanted to go to win. Uh, feel like he was appreciated. And- See, I can't either, but don't like brag about it when you knew that this is exactly what you were doing. He's bragging You're- because he's getting a lot of criticism. I mean, that right? I mean, that's that's yes. why it's almost like he's convincing himself. He's that vilifying he made the right himself decision. to just get attention. It seems like like oh, I'm going to play the villain and play the victim. Like you guys won't stop criticizing it's- me. I'm just going to turn into this bad guy. And I find it interesting and- that you said you can't stand him anymore because I feel like by and large and. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but by and large, I feel like he gets a pass on a lot of things. Like he got a pass in Oklahoma City for a long time for not winning a championship, and and even going to the Warriors and winning. Well, he, oh, he's Kevin Durant. He thanked his mom when he won the MVP, and he's a good guy. And yeah. and, and all that's true. But he did, I, yeah. I feel like he got a major pass. Like if that was LeBron, like the forget the level, about it. the level of criticism was not the same, and he can't even handle you know that that reduced level of right. criticism. It's it's it's. I really he got, got a pass. to him. You he did tell. get a pass for a while. That's the thing that I'm most amazed by that you just brought that up, and I, you know, hadn't thought about it. But it's like if you put LeBron or if you put a lot of other players in the league on that young Thunder team that had Harden and Westbrook, and I know part of this is revisionist history, looking back at Harden and Westbrook, but they were really freaking good. And the fact that that team it got blown up on its own, but the fact that that team never did more than like win a finals game, you know, like it it, it makes you think that that. That team missed out, and that more of that wasn't thrown on Durant. And look, I know that's why he left because he wanted to go win the title that he never thought he could in Oklahoma City. Uh, but yeah, you're now that you like, re- if you think about it, like he kind of got a break for a while. I also find it interesting, Max, that, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but you know, we collectively, um, we crush Carmelo for 
It sounds like he doesn't want out of New York. He must not want to win a championship. How could he not want to win a championship? How could he not want to go to but the Cavs? But then we crushed Durant. But then for we crushed Durant and, because he right. makes a move that he can make, and he goes and he and he wins. And I'm not saying you're doing it. No, I just yeah. there is such a double standard though that you know we, on the one hand we're saying well Melo's got to get out of there. He's got to want to win. He doesn't want to win. Hang, there was a he just difference. wants to make his money. Was, but then Durant leaves, and well you know Melo he's didn't Melo didn't leave a contender. The Thunder were right on the cusp but of were contending. They, but were they really? For the finals. They were. Yes, they absolutely were. They absolutely were. You add one piece to that Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant team. I, they're in. I'm not the sure Knicks, if I buy that. The Knicks were not winning 40 games with Carmelo Anthony. Correct. You can't blame him for wanting to get out of but that But if you're not going to win, you're not going to win. And if you come to the conclusion that, man, we've done this, we've done this for a lot of years, me and Russ, and we just can't get over the hump. I want to go win a title. I have an opportunity. I could go anywhere I want. This is this is what I want. So to you're going to you're go gonna pick the, the, the favorite to win the title. For I'm just the next saying. Eight I just years. it's such a double standard because it is. because people yeah. wanted Melo to do that. Go join the Cavs. It'll be great. They join your friend LeBron. No. And then and then Durant Steve, even does easier. It, and we crush him for it. Steve, even easier. Everybody wanted him to go join the Bulls, right? Like when it was Rose and Noah, and that team was a legitimate contender, and and going tooth and neck with with the Cavs, like. That was the team that Melo was supposed to go to. It's just funny because, you know, if he puts, well, I can get a max deal here. Or, uh, you know, my my son is here and I want to be near my son. Or, or whatever the case may be. We It's like we know what he should want. Like, well, he should want to win a title. He just cares about money. But then, you know, Durant cares about winning. He goes to the to what he thought was the best situation. It was. He wins. And we crush him for that, too. Yeah. Well, don't say that you got a torch past you when you've made, what, two or three finals and you've only won one and it all happened to be with probably what is arguably the greatest team ever assembled. I'm not saying he's handling that, it perfectly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. He, he has a, an extremely thin skin. So I'm not saying he's handling it well. I just I find the, the criticism... Oh yeah, there is a double standard, there no is. doubt. There's no doubt there's a double standard. But again, I can't blame Carmelo for wanting to leave after the ownership proved to be terrible in James Dolan. Your president of basketball oh, I operations. I don't blame him for wanting to leave either. No. I'm talking about when he when, when he, he said want I want to be in New York, and people were and saying, people, "Well, how could he not want to leave? They're not going to win the title in New York. Why is he right. staying there? Yeah. Does he just care about his max deal and making max money? And is that all he cares about?" Can I finish with this thought? Yes, and then we could. Maybe move on to one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm uh, fired up no, about this. No, it's fine. <laughs> you are. Uh, Good. Ke- Kevin Durant's petty and has a thin skin, and I still love watching that team play. So it's not going to stop me from I, watching I, I like watching him as a player. <laughs> so can't fun. stand him as a person anymore. I used to think very highly of Kevin Durant, and now I just think he's a whiny crybaby on the same level of Jerry Jones and what's going on in the NFL. Whoa. Bold statement for Max. Yeah, yeah I'm going to not go that far. I will. I can't stand... Every time Kevin Durant gets in front of a microphone now, I... Want to like plug my ears or turn it off? I think this is also again back to my first point. This is this is like what the NBA is, right? Like we have we have uh, LeBron posting Arthur stills. It's like on the Instagram. Real Housewives of well, New Jersey have, bus have, of like it's like right. WWE. It is. <laughs> yeah. really you got your villains. I mean, we you had, got your good we, guys. We had the Kyrie drama this offseason. He doesn't want to play. He does want to play. He doesn't want to play with LeBron. He has to get traded to a contest. Like this is why the NBA is awesome. Who cares about what's going on on the court? Because that's a foregone conclusion that Golden State's going to win the whole thing come June. But we have all these stupid storylines. It's so much more fun. It's true. Let's it's like get, a movie. Let's get to one more thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, it still kind of deals with the NBA, more college basketball, though. But Adam Silver's meeting with the MBPA uh, chief to talk the one-and-done rule. Steve, I asked Seth about this when I was in here earlier. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. What do you, what do you think about reforming the one-and-done rule, and what do you think should be done about it, if anything? Because I think it should change. 
Yeah, I think change would be good for both sides. If if someone is as good as LeBron as a senior in high school, then I think that player should be... Anybody should be allowed to go yep. straight from high school to the pros. That's your but choice. But only a select few are going to be able to actually do it, right? So LeBron, he was ready. Okay, some of these other guys are not, and they need some seasoning. So I would love to see... Potentially, them go to if you go to college, like the baseball rule. Maybe the baseball rule is a little extreme for basketball. Where you have to years, go for three yeah. years. Maybe it's two years. Uh, okay? Yeah, I like I like two and then, years. And then you either have to make that decision to go right away. Are you ready? And if if you go to school, you stay for two years. College basketball gets a better player over the course of two years. NBA gets a better player when that when that player comes out. Now the question is, and it, it will always be, but it, it, it exists right now. Is you know kids are going to still make mistakes, right? So if you're a senior in high school and you're dominating, you know, at it's West the Tennessee in Syracuse or for whatever it may, right? But that's that could still be looked at as a mistake. A kid, no, a kid decides absolutely. to go. He makes you know minimal, you know, in in the grand scheme of things, minimal amount of money in the G League, never makes it, and then doesn't have the option to go back to school. Money so, aside, though. Like, do you think that the G League would develop players better, or do you think college coaches would develop players better? Well, the G League ultimately, or playing. But what, if you, what if you go to play for Krzyzewski or Beheim or Calipari or one of these awesome coaches that? That's fine, but I think that the time restrictions on it hamper you so much. Look, I, I think that over the last what it's been ten years now that this one and done rolls in. Like, I don't know how many of the guys who were one and duns would have legitimately gone out of high school. Like Anthony Davis was a, a great talent, but got a lot better. In that one year at Kentucky, Carl Towns, the same thing. You know, Marvin Bagley, he looks like he could play in the NBA right now, right? But, like, how many Marvin Bagleys have there been over the last 10 years? Like, I, I don't know necessarily even how many of the one and dones would have been straight from high school guys. Like, and look there, at, look there at are the always going to be mistakes, right? At, There's always going to be, the, you know, name your, your out-of-high-school bus, Kwame Brown. There's always going to be a Kwame Brown who stinks and can't make it. Um, but that happens coming out of one and dones too. Look at the talent that comes out of Syracuse one and done too. I mean, don't you think they could? I mean, I feel like eighty percent no. of the time I we're sitting here talking. Oh, they could have stayed another year. It would have really benefited them. Oh, I thought you were going to say that Malachi, like they, no, some no, of them no. could have gone out of high school. No, no. That, I feel like every time someone leaves Syracuse one and done, we always say as Syracuse reporters, media fans, whatever it may be, that oh, he could have used another year. I've never. I can't remember. And then Jeremy Grant develops aside, better in one year in the NBA than he does at, exactly, at college, right? Or, but or Michael Carter Williams comes out draining threes in the I, NBA. I and, can't sit here and honestly say that, other than Carmelo Anthony, there's been a legitimate one and done coming out of Syracuse since then. That hasn't needed another year of development, whether it be could, in the NBA, whether it be at Syracuse and in college. Wherever. You could say that about 95% of players, I would say, because you're not a finished product after your freshman year in college. Right, absolutely so not. So could you make a case for 95% of players that if they came back, they could you know, they could improve? Well, they go to the NBA, they can improve there as well. I get I the think whole playing faster. versus yeah. not playing, and, and there there is something to be said for that. Um, you know, Playing in a major Division One college or playing in the G League. But to Seth's point, I mean, it becomes your job once you go pro, and you're going to be able to improve because you're going to be playing, you know, every day. And every day for longer hours against ex- better players. Like, you're, you're going to get better, better, better trainers yeah. and, and so on and so forth. So the thing is with the – and it's I, we should talk about this some other time when we, we have a little more time to discuss it. 
how do you avoid the kids that are going to make a bad decision? Whereas now, hang on one second. You you go, you want to jump in there. What I was going to say was you, you get kids now that go for, for one and done, and bad decisions are still being made, but at least that kid has one year of, of college academics yes. for what it's worth. And that may say, sound naive and sound silly, but at least they experience college for one year. They've got some credits. They know what it's all about. They could go back, get their degree if things don't work out in the NBA. Opposed to a kid going straight from high school, he doesn't have that year of college. He does what it's all about, and then all of a sudden, you know, he he washes up after two years in the G League, and then what? So, you're still gonna have kids make bad decisions. I I do like the fact though that they have at least some college under their belts. And what were you gonna say? Gonna, that? Oh, I was gonna say you'll still have kids make bad decisions. Like you know who definitely would have gone straight out of high school? Lonzo Ball. And do we know? You know, and yeah, and, Dion and like, probably would have tried too. But but you know, you get my point. Like like in that situation, it would have been driven by the parent. Like oh we. We think you're too good for this garbage of college basketball. Like, just go make your money. And, and like, that's the situation that you really want to avoid. I mean, and then there's the argument where you see Ben Simmons coming out a couple of weeks ago saying he learned nothing at LSU. and Because well, I mean, he didn't want to. Right. But exactly. he was a guy that was, he's a 6'10 point guard. Right. He would have been he fine. He would have been fine like, in the he NBA. Been yeah. fine. Right. Ben Simmons would have gone out of high school and been all right. He would have been fine. Kevin, but, Kevin Durant might have been able to go out of high school. You know, uh, but it, like you can count the guys who could have legitimately gone out of high school on one hand. Like again, Anthony Davis, great player at Kentucky. But like, do you remember Anthony Davis at the beginning of the year, or do you remember him at the end when he was dominating inside and shooting threes and doing everything? Like, you remember him at the end when he was doing everything. Like, Carl Anthony Towns, the same way. Like, those players got a lot better over their one year, where even though they were number one picks and they were high recruits, like, they probably still could have used that year even if they didn't have to go. It's a good topic, Max. It's something we should probably revisit um, when we have a little more time to talk. Unfortunately, we're out of time with this. It was today's business. It's brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs, located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. We wrap up the show right after this.